Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us at Deutsche Bank's ESG Insights podcast, uh, where today we're covering an in-depth understanding of climate risk. Uh, my name is Trisha Taneja. I head up uh, ESG advisory for the bank. Um, and with me today, I have Helena Walsh, who is the managing partner at Agendi. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Helena to first uh, tell us a little bit about Agendi, and then we'll, we'll, get, we'll dive right in into our conversation. Over to you, Helena. Fabulous, Trisha. I'm delighted to be here. Um, brilliant. So Agendi, we're a sustainability and consulting firm um, based um, in New York. Obviously, I'm in London. We're, we're in other locations around the globe as well. And we work with our organizations on defining and implementing um, a climate and sustainability strategy. So we take that from accounting from greenhouse gas emissions through to setting targets, mitigating emissions. And then obviously, you know, while, while we're chatting today, climate risk forms a really important piece about, you know, in terms of how that can be considered in the future, both in the disclosure perspective and, and also in terms of risk mitigation. That's great. So to get started, Helena, I think, you know, what is climate risk? It's something we're all thinking about. The terms net zero and transition are thrown about pretty widely. Um, so, so how do you see climate risk? Yeah, I think when 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 most people think about climate risk, there's a tendency to think more about the the physical impacts of rising emissions. So, sea level rise, heat stress, water stress, increased weather events, and many of these hazards are already a reality. You know, especially across 2021, we saw floods, wildfires, winter storms, heat waves, and what we know um, is that without immediate and accelerated action to reduce these emissions, these hazards are, are going to continue to increase both in severity and frequency. Um, and these climate risks, they have real and financial impacts on human health, asset values, capital investment, productivity, output, insurance. And then on the flip side of kind of this rather alarming high emissions future is fortunately a preferred scenario where we meet our global climate goals. But this also presents a different set of climate risks and we call these transition risks. So in order to meet our global climate goals, we, we know that we need widespread um, accelerated changes, rapid decarbonization of our energy supply, new policy and legal, both incentive, mandates on technologies, investment in climate solutions, as well as, as adaptation and resilience planning. Even part of this piece of the puzzle is behavioral changes. So, you know, potentially we need to consider our diet, the way we travel, the way we consume products. So, even on this flip side of kind of a more positive future, there are financial impacts of these transition risks. You know, we're talking about increased compliance costs, you know, mandatory price, uh, carbon pricing potentially, you know, need for capital investment to potentially upgrade technologies or equipment, shifts in consumer demand for products and potentially stranded assets. So overall, we're talking about a loss in value, whether we're looking at a high emissions future or a low emissions future, there, there is going to be some varying level of physical and transition climate risks. That's, a, that's great. Thank you. And I think you touched on it already by talking about loss in value. Um, but I, I think, you know, why is it that this loss in value and this concept of climate risk is so important in capital allocation these days, both to investors and banks? 
Yeah, I think what, what makes climate risk unique is that it poses a long-term risk. So it sits outside the traditional time period considered by most corporate risk and ERM frameworks today. So most organizations have a limited understanding of the climate risk they may be exposed to. So this means that they're unlikely to have fully priced climate risks into their business strategy, financial planning. So, you know, this becomes crucial information for investors and banks, you know, that is to understand an organization's climate risk profile and as well as the potential impact and you know the value um, of investments and returns so obviously you know investors and banks they, they should be scrutinizing the subjects of their investments in terms of climate maturity as well as how risks may impact the future value of these investments and so what we know, do know is that you know if there is a inability to fully understand climate risk, this is going to compromise the financial sector. So it's going to compromise, you know, it in its primary role of supporting the real economy. And, and this is why that climate is considered a systemic risk to the financial sector. Thank you. And that's a great point. That is something that ESG uh, professionals struggle with, I think, throughout uh, is the mismatch between sort of corporate risk planning and long-term systemic risks. Um, that that cause value, uh, that cause loss of value. So so thank you for that. Um, what is the best way, in your opinion, to assess climate risks? Is there a market standard for this? Yeah, well, currently the best practice way to both assess and and then disclose on climate risk um, is via the global framework developed by the TCFD. So that's the Task Force on Climate Related Financial Disclosure. So essentially, the, the TCFD it provides a, a standardized disclosure framework for organizations to detail their, their governance on climate um, exposure and response to climate related issues. And, and it looks at both risks and opportunities. So that's both negative and positive impacts of climate. Um, and the goal of the TCFD is to provide this in a, a consistent and comparable format for stakeholders, specifically those with a financial in interest. So there's uh, 11 response areas and, and, and they cover different elements like what kind of board oversight on climate is in place, you know, what is the exposure to climate related risks. It also covers um, what, is, what is really important is what are the processes in place to identify, assess and manage risks, as well as a chance for organizations to report on the metrics that they're using to track this evolution. So, so what's important to note is that this framework provides organizations with the chance to share with its stakeholders their future financial climate resiliency. And, and this resiliency arises um, from a, an awareness of both climate risks and building an effective risk mitigation strategy um, and, you know, potentially harnessing some of the immense climate related opportunities that exist, you know, that we're presented with with this changing climate. Thank you. And, and why do you think it's important? What's driving a little bit this uptake in climate risk assessment, but also in the communication of these climate risk assessments, um, both to the market and, and stakeholders? Well, you know, on top of making good business sense, um, you know, climate risk disclosure is becoming mandatory. So we're talking about mandatory climate risk disclosures in many jurisdictions across the world. We've seen it in New Zealand, Switzerland, here in the UK, China, Canada, many more countries. Um, the US has also recently stated the intention to incorporate climate risk in companies' filings. And, 
and much of the drive that we see from our clients is making sure that they're getting ahead and preparing for this mandatory disclosure. Sort of on the flip side, the other driver that we see um, is coming from the, the feed-in to ESG ratings and rankings. So TCFD is a major component of the, the largest voluntary climate disclosure framework and rating system. So that's the, the CDP. And, and what we do know is that companies um, achieve a higher ranking and scoring um, where they have made significant progress in terms of climate risk implementation and disclosure. So it sounds like regulators are starting to realize that climate risk is systemic in mandating accurate disclosure of, of systemic risks. Um, one country I can add to the list is Canada, just given, given I'm Canadian. Um, so, so moving on, um, Helena, you've all obviously worked with a number of corporates on assessing climate risk. Um, you know, what do organizations find the most challenging? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good question. I suppose it stems from the fact that, you know, no one's starting at zero. There is always some sort of base level of climate consideration with an organization. Um, and so, you know, we always start with a gap analysis for that purpose. But probably the, the most challenging piece of implementing the, the TCFD recommendations is, is starting to look at climate scenario analysis. And it's not because the process itself is challenging as per se, obviously it's complex, but it's just the area that the, there's the least amount of prior work um, has been done. So scenario analysis as a, as a concept, it's not new in business, but climate scenario analysis is still relatively new. And so what climate scenario analysis does is it tests the resiliency of an organization. So it looks at different future states of the world, in relation to climate change, and it answers a series of what if questions. So, you know, what if there was a mandatory price on carbon? How would this impact profitability? Or, you know, on the sort of unfortunate side, what if our global, global climate goals failed? Um, if we experienced a high emissions future, how exposed to, say, sea level rise are a particular company's assets? So by exploring these multiple future states of the world and the potential impacts, organizations can both understand the material climate risk and then build more resilient strategies. Thank you. That, that's that's really helpful. Um, and it sounds like climate risk, given you know the linkage to scenario analysis and profitability, is becoming more and more a strategic issue for companies. Um, so, what do you think are you know once you've conducted a climate risk assessment, um, what are some of the strategic actions that a company can take to mitigate climate risk? Yeah, I think I mean I could go I could go on forever at this point, but I think one of the the main sort of important pieces is that wide engagement is necessary. So, climate is no longer a consideration that should sit just within a sustainability team. You know, especially when you start considering um, climate related risk, you need to bring in all sorts of business roles. You know, you need the finance perspective, legal risk, operations. It really depends on the organisation, but you know, you're looking at across business roles to really understand not only what are the risks but how can those be mitigated? And then, so in terms of when we start building a mitigation plan, obviously emissions reduction is, is kind of at the core of this, especially when we talk about on an organization level. So this is reducing emissions, um, energy efficiency measures, renewable electricity, switching to low carbon fuels, new technologies. What's also important is that there are longer term commitments in place. So you're not just thinking about reducing emissions now, but also having a plan for the future. And, and what, you know, whether that's net zero or other related targets. But what's also important is that any commitments are also linked to today. So, you know, potentially they're linked to the monetary incentives of management. 
And then, you know, when we, you know, the piece of uh, the puzzle that can be challenges is also, you know, we, we will also need to invest in adaptation measures. Some of the, the climate impacts, they're already locked in. So, you know, potentially, you know, depending on your operations, you know, you need to start thinking about adapting to a changing climate, whether that's making sure that you have increased air conditioning cooling for, for rising temperatures or flood barriers for exposed sites or, you know, even planned relocation if it's necessary. Um, and then, then also probably the tricky piece of the puzzle is making sure that there is a mechanism within an organization to secure long-term funding for this mitigation plan. So internal carbon pricing fits really neatly in here. And you know, that can either be within, um, say, a fee to build up internal fund to cover adaptation, mitigation measures, or simply a shadow price that, that can um, build in the cost of carbon within an investment decision. So I think I've given um, a, a varying range of strategic options here, but I think the conclusion is, is to build an emissions mitigation plan. So, you know, make sure that there is a plan and then also that there is funding in place to, to ensure that plan can be carried out in the future, you know, even if there is a, a downturn. Thank you. And certainly you have given a varying range of sort of strategic action um, I think your point about a shadow price and cost of carbon is certainly an interesting one because I, I'm not, you know, certain that that is being planned into sort of the the corporate process right now. Um, so, so maybe to 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 I guess bring this to a close. It's been a really interesting discussion. So, to summarize, I think we've heard today from from Agendi that um, you know there is loss of value in climate risk that corporates face, uh, both in case we meet our climate goals, which is transition risk, um, and in case we don't, which is physical and adaptation risk. Um, you know, climate risk is increasingly becoming uh, mandatory uh, and regulated uh, worldwide. Uh, and part of the reason is because, you know, regulators are waking up to the fact that it is a long-term and systemic risk for the financial system. Um, climate risk assessment is something that is increasingly uh, picking up speed, particularly with respect to scenario planning and assessing the impacts of various climate scenarios and profitability. Um, and, you know, increasingly, uh, climate risk is something that is not, you know, sort of uh, put into a sustainability bucket, but rather a strategic issue for the entire company and involves actions, um, including, you know, acquisitions, financing, uh, and thinking about shadow prices for carbon uh, and, and overall, you know, this is the direction we expect the market to head in, which is price and climate risk into, into capital allocation. Um, so thank you for that, Helena. And uh, to our listeners, we look forward to seeing you uh, at our next ESG Insights podcast.